Wanting to incorporate more digital tools into your closing process, but not sure where to start? ProperSign is the remote online notarization platform with solutions for e-signing, e-notarization, identity verification, and more. So whether you need to perform a RON or RIN or anything in between, ProperSign has been called surprisingly simple to use by some of the title industry's pickiest professionals. For a limited time, you can get a 30-day trial of the tool completely free. To get this offer, visit propersign.com backslash safe dash secure dash closing. That's propersign.com backslash safe dash secure dash closing. Now, back to Title Talks. We've been sort of watching this just sort of accelerate at a speed we would never have ever imagined. We entered the year 2020 with a strong housing market and economy, but that all quickly changed as the spread of COVID-19 became a real threat to U.S. citizens and industries. Thanks to the designation of title work as essential, this industry hasn't seen the same slowdown as others, but there have been significant changes spurred on by the virus. One survey showed that nearly 30% of agents now offer some version of digital closings. To reflect on those changes, I spoke to Diane Tom, CEO of the American Land Title Association back in June during Home Ownership Month. We talked about Alta's campaign to better connect title agents with consumers, the organization's involvement in remote online notarization legislation, the importance of diversity in the industry at all levels, and much more. I'm Amanda Farrell, and you're listening to Title Talks. Hello, how are you? Hey, good, Amanda. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm really excited to be here. So to start out, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, your experience in the title industry. You bet. Um, Diane Tom, I am the CEO of the American Land Title Association, more commonly known as ALTA. Um, I stepped into this role, it'll be a year in two weeks, which is crazy, especially since the last four months, it feels like it's been about 20 years, right? Just because so much has happened. I heard this great um, quote earlier this week from, of all people, Vladimir Lenin, who said, there's decades that go by, nothing happens, and then weeks where decades happen, right? And I just feel like since COVID hit, for our industry, and I know many others, things that have happened would never have happened in decades in this short period of time when it comes to technology and other things. So it's been um, really um, fascinating to kind of see how the industry has sort of adjusted and you know what's happening. But so a little more background about me. I, um, before I took over this role, I was the, and I started the organization for the National Rental Home Council, which was, um, a organization when I started, they had about six members and they grew to about 60 in about three years. And they're sort of the large scale single family rental and all the industry that supports that. And as you can imagine now, you know, the rental industry is even more vital to this economy. So that was an exciting role um, for me. Um, I've worked, I also used to head up the National Association of Women Business Owners and was a business owner for about 15 years. So um, I believe those experiences really allowed me to step into this role and bring something 
because so many of our members, actually, you may know this, Amanda, um, or the industry as a whole, over 75% are women. And then, of course, we have a lot of small business owners. So it's been a really, really um, awesome opportunity this first year for me to learn more about the title industry. A little, oh, a little additional background. I did work at HUD. I'm trying to think what year that was. I always do things in terms of the years of when my kids were born. And that was in the early 2000s. And um, so I, you know, I was fortunate to have a regulatory background and kind of understand that piece of it and worked really closely on RESPA, you know, which I know is, you know, seems like eons ago because it was so much has happened since then. So it's been um, for me coming um, into the title industry has been I, I know a lot about the housing world and others, but learning so much about the title industry and the important role they play in the whole ecosystem. Well, that's great. Yeah, I'm really excited then to, to speak with you and, and glean some of that insight that you have through all those years of experience and knowledge. Um, so my first question is about, you know, Alta does a really great job of home ownership, outreach, and other educational campaigns. Um, and I wanted to ask you about some current campaigns that you're running right now to spotlight the title industry. Yes. Um, well, thank you. Because as you know, June is Home Ownership Month. And interesting enough, you know, even with COVID, um, we are seeing our industry continuing to, between the refis and people buying homes, things have not really stopped. But I think the most important thing that we find regarding our campaign is educating people on the process, you know, how to access down payment, how to understand, how to prepare themselves, particularly in today's world and what's going on out there. Um, Alta, as you know, does a really good job of communicating. Um, we have our HOP program, Home Ownership Program, that really helps people kind of understand the importance of it and helps our members communicate that to their clients, et cetera. But one of the things that we started when I stepped into this role, um, the Alta leadership gets together every year and sets their strategic priorities. Um, this time last year, again, before the COVID-19, but all of it um, turned out to be very relevant, fortunately. One of the top strategic priorities was telling our story because I found this, you know, when I stepped into this industry, people kind of know what title is. They know it's something that they should have, but they're not really sure how like, people who do that, um, you know, who are the agents, who are the underwriters, how's all that work? And I think as an industry, we've done a really good job of talking to each other, but we haven't really <laughs> shared it with the outside world. So that's been a big effort for us. And um, we've been really excited about um, working with this organization that we brought in to help us tell our story. Um, early in um, when the COVID-19, the coronavirus hit, they helped us um, put together a video that really demonstrated the work that the title industry is doing quickly, how quickly they pivoted and were able to come up with some really innovative solutions to keep you know, these transactions moving forward. And just yesterday, as a matter of fact, we rolled out our June um, campaign, the Guardians of um, Home Ownership, because we really want it and we have a new video. And hopefully you and your listeners will take a moment to go to our website, which is um, alta.org. We have um, our new video up there because I think it's one of the most simple ways to really describe all the different things that our, our members do to ensure, to protect, um, you know, the homeowners at the end. You know, they're detectives, right? They're going in and trying to find information. They're guardians, right? They're, they're 
detail oriented. They have all of these roles that they have to play at the end of the day to make sure this deal gets done right and it protects the homeowner. So I'm anxious for you to see it. And I would um, really encourage others to take a look because I'm we're really excited about being able to do this. Um, so that's a big piece of it. We're gonna have um, some digital outreach that will continue around um, that effort and really just educating folks outside of our industry on what it is we do, the important role. And again, I can't overemphasize how once um, the virus hit and we had to come up with new solutions of doing our work, how people started to realize how important our piece of the closing process was. I had no idea what a title agent was until I started working at PropLogix five years ago. Right. Uh, every time I talk to people about the industry, something they always say is it's a very hidden industry. Um, homeowners usually when asked, do you have title insurance? A lot of people answer, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a really great campaign to start to really get title agents more involved and especially early on too. I think that's pretty key right now, especially with wire fraud concerns, reaching out to that home buyer and homeowner and saying, I'm the person that's going to be, like you said, the guardian of your transaction. Be very clear that wire fraud is a thing because most people don't know about that until it happens to them, unfortunately. And, you know, really take those steps to build that relationship early on and educate people more when they're doing the, the home buying process. Yeah, no question. As you know, most of the time, the title agent or the underwriter, they're brought in by the realtor or the lender or someone else. So it, it's really not until they sit down at the closing table does the home buyer really um, kind of understand. And by then, they're so overwhelmed by all the paperwork and everything else. That So what we're trying to do um, is just like you said, Amanda, kind of intervene early on, kind of educate people on the front end. So they can be aware and you know anticipate some of these things, but make sure people really understand the value on the back end. The good news is, you know, a lot of times people don't have these issues because these guys are doing the work on the front end. I also wanted to ask a little bit about, you know, what sort of conversations have you had with title professionals regarding the adoption of digital tools in closing? And can you kind of frame it around maybe before COVID and after COVID? Absolutely. Well, you know, when I stepped into this role or even earlier, a little this time last year, maybe a little even sooner, when I was interviewing for this role, that was sort of the big discussion about how the industry is shifting. And, you know, some like it, some don't, you know, what's it going to look like? Some have the ability to adjust, others don't, you know, and Alta needs to play a big role right? They need to sort of be on the front end, but they also need to bring everybody else along. It's almost as though we don't really have a choice. It's going to happen. It's just, you know, making sure that we have all the tools in place so people can be successful. And so one of the first things we did, as I was talking about our strategic priorities, one of our other top strategic priorities was the digital closings and um, sort of getting that up and running. And again, when I started this time last year, we were just talking about it, but quickly that in the fall, September, October timeframe, we um, forged a partnership with mortgage bankers and we put together a, a series of digital boot camps. And it's been really exciting to kind of watch that. The first one was in person was in um, Phoenix and it was around Christmas time. And we chose that location because we thought geographically there'd be enough folks that were interested from that area that could go. You know, it's 
it's a hard time because of the holidays and what have you, but also from our industry perspective, it was one of the slower times where people aren't, you know, working where they wouldn't be able to leave um, their roles. Well, we were shocked that people came from all over as far as the East goes and then the West goes. And I mean, people were just thirsting for this information, you know, and these were, these are the folks that, you know, I would say what I learned from within the industry are the early adapters. These are the folks who really wanted to get their arms around this, wanted to understand how it's being done. And there were some that were doing it sort of in a hybrid fashion and learning. And the whole day, you know, being, it was a one day, yeah, we had a reception the night before and then we had a one day um, panel of amazing folks from throughout the industry, both on the mortgage banker side, the lending side, as well as on the title side. And um, you could just tell people just wanted more. There just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough time. There was so much that needed to be covered. And so that was a real wake up call for us. We're like, wow, we're really onto something. We recognize, you know, our next one was scheduled for Atlanta in April. And we thought we're probably going to need to have two days. We're going to need to, you know, and so much was happening even from that time frame. So from December to April, even prior to COVID, there was a lot of nuances of states adapting new things and, you know, different things happening in industry-wide that we had to keep adjusting our panels and what we were focusing on. And then, of course, you know, March 13th was at least in our case when we, um, shut down our office. I mean, we, we physically left our offices. We've all been working, as I'm sure you have. I think things have not stopped. Um, and um, we've been sort of watching this just sort of accelerate at a speed we would never have ever imagined, you know. So it's been really interesting, but it was clear to us as an industry that there was this thirst and folks really wanting to figure out how to make this work. Yeah, I remember um, January 1st was a really big day for a lot of states for RON. That's when RON became um, implemented in Florida and people started to get their certifications. And uh, that's when we saw, I actually spoke to um, a loan signing agent who's uh, located in South Florida. And mm -hmm. in the beginning of the year, she was like, oh, this is something really interesting. I definitely want to adopt this into my, my, my work and offer this as um something to my clients, but I'm going to wait a little bit to see how, you know, like things go and see how Everybody the kinks are worked yeah. out. Then COVID mm -hmm. happened and she was like, okay, now's the time. Right? Yeah. Everybody. It just kind of opened the doors for lots of things. And so in those uh, boot camps and, and other conversations, what are some of the challenges to getting Ron enabled that you've heard from people? Is it a matter of lack of education? Um, lack of understanding of local laws? What are, what are some of the things that people find most challenging about it? You know, Amanda, it's really is a combination of all of those things. Um, you know, you have some states like California that they just don't feel like they're ready for it, right? And so they don't feel like they have the infrastructure. And so in some ways that makes it really hard for, you know, folks who are doing business, you know, in California, but also in other states. There's, you know, a lot of different... Um, the one of the things that we've been doing at the federal level is um, we have proposed the secure um, legislation, which would um, at least until this pandemic is over, allow everybody in every state to be able to do wrong. Um, and if a state was currently in the process of passing some type of legislation, that would supersede it. But at least it sets a standard. So we think that's really one of the most important thing to have a standard across the board that everybody can agree to. So there's the education piece, there's the, um, 
you know, the folks who are willing, the early adapters that we talked about, there's the logistical piece, there's just, um, you know, the processes, getting the, you know, infrastructure in place to support it. And then there's the marketing piece of it. To your point, you were talking about one of your customers, you know, I'm going to wait and see what someone else does before I shift my whole business model, you know, to support that. So we're seeing a lot of that. And then we're also seeing like, we really don't have any other choice. This is how we're going to do it because, you know, in these certain conditions. But what's been really, really fascinating for us is how people have really figured it out. You know, we, we had so many different challenges that kept presenting themselves each day. And, you know, we kept working to figure these things out, which was really amazing. And so um, about the SECURE Act, um, what are some of the most important aspects of that? Uh, for those who are listening who might not be familiar with the legislation, can you kind of give just like a quick rundown of what it entails? Sure. Well, we've asked Congress for three things when it comes to that. To allow immediate nationwide use of RON. Secondly, to create minimum standards for these types of notarizations. And then third, to provide certainty for the interstate recognition of RONs. The consumer protections we have requested included the multifacet authentication, use of tamper evident technology, and retention of the audio-visual recording of the notarial app. So as you know, there's lots of different um, ways that can be interpreted, but this was the one that we felt would really allow folks now and um, you know, one of the challenges with this legislation is that it would be sunsetted. You know, once um, you know the, the pandemic is sort of under control. But at least in the meantime, it gives people access, and it allows us to really kind of, um, from an industry-wide perspective, see what works and what doesn't work, and how can we sort of you know enable. And we're getting lots of good feedback, things we didn't expect, and new things that we knew were going to be challenges. Those types of things. And can you talk a little bit about Ulta's role in the creation of the legislation? I think you also mentioned your partnership with the uh, MBA. Um, right. and, and maybe talk a little bit about, you know, this legislation, the model legislation that's sort of been a part of um, the push at the other state local levels for Ron Law. Sure. Yeah, you know, it was a, um, you know, from an industry perspective, it was something that our advocacy folks jumped on immediately once we recognized that, you know, things were going to be shut down. Um, the, well, there were two things. One, it was, you know, making sure we established that our industry was essential. And that took a lot of work on our part to, you know, make sure the folks over at Treasury and Homeland Security and others um, understood the role that we play. And then um, Alta really led the effort on creating crafting the um, Secure Notarization Act. Um, the entire project was initiated at the direction of our Digital Closing Executive Committee. Uh, members of this committee also took the lead on drafting, um, and I, I really think it's important to give special recognition to Michael O'Neill, who was the chief drafter. For those who don't know Michael, he's with um, First American, and really spent a lot of time, and was it was really critical um, for us in the early stages of COVID-19 when this was going down. Um, believe it or not, the legislation was written over a course of just three short days, um, you know, which that never happens in the real world, right? Um, and even in that condensed time period, it was successful in encapsulating the priorities of many stakeholder groups, while at the same time providing certain certainty through a strong legal foundation. And these groups include, you mentioned MBA, 
National Association of Realtors, the American Bankers, um, and even some notary com companies. There was a really um, a broad group of industry-wide um, folks who support the real estate industry supporting this effort. It was really exciting to be a part of that. Can you tell me a little bit about how the legislation impacts states? Um, should they have already passed RON laws or if they haven't, or if they are going to be passing a RON bill later? Yeah, that's a, a really important point, um, Amanda. It's important to note that state RON laws that meet the national minimum standards I previously outlined will supersede the federal act. So bottom line is, right, what, if the state already has something, what they're doing at the federal level. But as you know, many states don't. But like, for example, if your state has passed a RON law and it is not yet in effect, the Secure Notarization Act would allow you to immediately start using RON, but once regulations are promulgated in the state, those regulations would not apply. So, but because um, strong state legislation will supersede the Secure Notarization Act, states that have not passed RON legislation should continue to look into their own state law. You know, eventually we want this to be everywhere, right? Right now this is a sort of a temporary fix. Um, you should also be aware that there is likely to be a sunset provision as part of this legislation, which is, is further incentive for states to continue with their own long-term efforts to draft and pass run laws that work best in their state. And how do you, how do you respond to security concerns that people have about Ron? That's probably been one of the biggest, you know, across the board, at least and primarily before um, COVID hit, that was something that, you know, we all wrestled with. But when the reality of having to get it done, it sort of shifted a little bit. But I will tell you, we believe that the states that follow the Alta MBA model have appropriately addressed the risks related to that. In today's digital world, third-party multi-factor authentication, like that's required in the RON legislation, is the gold standard for the identity verification. Yeah, I actually, when I was speaking to that loan officer or loan signing agent that I mentioned before, she mentioned that one of the things that interested her most, interested her most about remote online notarization and the tools that are designed specifically for that is that it's actually statistically more secure because you have a computer scanning a license that you know notaries with the naked eye had trouble sometimes recognizing as fraudulent yeah. and then you also had people entering in those knowledge base assessment um kba i think that's what what it stands for mm -hmm. um those questions about their personal you know credit history um, and so in a lot of ways it was more rigorous than she felt than the current standard because the technology is a helping tool and it's not necessarily like replacing her as a notary it's, it's helping her do her job better yeah and i think that was the fear to your point like you know people won't need us anymore no all to your point all the technology is is a tool to better serve your client but obviously you still need you know the folks involved to make sure that it happens accurately and what do you think are going to be some of the most positive impacts of the SECURE Act and other RON legislation that is moving forward at the state level on title agents, on lenders, on consumers? Well, without a doubt, consumers most vulnerable to the COVID-19 benefit from the ability to conduct a touchless transaction, right? We've seen that just from day one, which has been amazing. Um, at one point, RON was thought to be primarily about consumer convenience but times have changed and now it's about consumer safety, right? Um, 
obviously when it comes to industry and lenders in particular, RON is one resource in the toolbox to get us closer to enabling the broad adoption of e-mortgages, which has been a goal for over two decades now. So, you know, we're inching towards that, but I think these last four months have pushed us really farther along, much further than we would ever have anticipated. And then finally, as an industry, we are at a point where we can reimagine our business models. Now, I would challenge all title professionals to consider how RON fits in their business practice of the future. Um, and I also wanted to mention in 2017, Alta developed the RON principles focused on adequate safeguards, authentication, tamper evident technology, and retention. Much has changed in the digital closing space due to COVID, and Alta is finalizing principles right now regarding any type of remote notarization outside of emergencies such as COVID. And the core of principles focused on technology, protecting consumers and ensuring usability continues. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, COVID-19 is obviously top of mind, but there are other other issues, natural disasters. Um, uh, someone that I was speaking to as a title company out in Houston, he mentioned how they started to move to digital closing solutions um, pretty early on. And I believe when Hurricane Harvey hit, um, they were able to still to do some things because they were already aligning their um, process with you know digital tools to sort of reach people who couldn't come in to the office or right. um, so there's lots of other use cases um, where people it, it goes beyond convenience and it, it has to do with with safety and being able to transact on your real estate you know closing um, safely yeah when I was mentioning the digital boot camps that we did back in um, December one of the samples um, that was shared was um, a woman who had some special needs and couldn't leave her home. And so they were able to make that work, you know? So there, you know, there are a lot of challenges for folks um, that could be overcome by being able to use the technology in this way. Yeah, and, and also too, um, safety of notaries as well is another point that's been made to me um, using Ron, you know, for mobile notaries going to places that they've never been, people they don't really know. Yeah. This offers an additional security measure for them as well as professionals. Yeah. Right, absolutely. So I was wondering if I could get your, your overall assessment on you know, the impact of COVID on the title industry and the real estate market. I know there's still a lot of uncertainty around it, but what, a, what is your, your assessment of what's, what's happening with COVID? You know, I can just give you sort of anecdotally as we talk to our members and, you know, we've done, actually, we, we've done um, some surveys um, within our industry. And I think interesting enough, um, surprising right now, anyway, um, many of our members did access PPP money, right? So um, a lot of that was able to keep people moving forward. Um, we've seen record numbers. People are, you know, refinancing because the interest rates have to continue to stay low. 
and other things that people are really, really busy. A lot of folks are still hiring. Um, I think from a real estate standpoint, I think it's more of inventory, right, in terms of availability. But I think people are buying. I think I read something yesterday, millennials are buying houses sight unseen more so than anybody. I actually saw something this morning, which I thought was very interesting, and maybe it was in the Housing Wire. It was um, how they're also um, selling them, you know, they're, they're willing to um, come down on their price quicker than others. Um, so, you know, clearly there's some new habits that we're seeing, you know, in the industry that we hadn't seen before. And I think everybody's, you know, recognizing that some things might go back, but I think that there's going to be a new normal and there's going to be a lot of new um, additions to the market that we're going to need to be thinking about, you know, moving forward, buying houses sight unseen, right? People seem to be okay with that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's really interesting. And I think um, I think keeping those interest rates low and keeping things moving along and being able to figure out how to make these things work for people where you can, you know, you don't have to take off from work and you don't have to, you know, you could do it at 10 o'clock at night. You know, you can really work with folks in terms of their availability, which I think is, you know, really appeals to a the primary, you know, the largest audience of potential new home buyers, which is millennials. Yeah, and also uh, Generation Z is starting to reach the age where in a couple of years they'll also be buying homes too. I think a lot of people still think of everyone under the age of 30 as millennials, but right. there's, there's a whole new generation coming up and they've got yeah. vastly different consumer habits as well. Right, right. It's really interesting. Um, and of course, you know, I think what I'm hearing, even just from my own, you know, network of friends who, who are real estate agents, you know, people don't really think they need to live close in anymore. They're willing to live a lot of further away. I, I read something this morning, 75% of folks who are working from home want to continue that way. You know, even within our own organization, um, Washington, D.C. is starting, I think we're in phase two, or maybe we're coming around to it soon. And we were talking about, you know, going back into the office. And the majority of our folks didn't want to go back anytime soon. So, you know, we're getting the job done. We have other issues like public transportation and safety issues that, you know, we want to make sure we keep everybody healthy. But it's just, I think we're all going to look at things differently, you know, for the next six to 12 months on how we do our business and how we get the work done. Yeah, I know. Um, I read statistics on millennial home buying habits as well. And, and one of the mm -hmm. things that um, that reminds me of is commute time. Millennials mm -hmm. definitely want to reduce their commute time as much as possible. And if you can eliminate that totally, I think that right. most people, everyone hates sitting in traffic or getting on the train or getting on totally. a bus, yeah. you know, like. <laughs> and the stress of it, you know, like, and just think how less stressful it is when you don't have to think about those things. Exactly. Yeah. But there's also, the other thing I do want to mention, Amanda, I think, you know, we don't really know, you know, if there is a second wave, we really don't know. Um, what's going to happen when the PP money, you know, P money runs out. So I do think we need to really be thoughtful and, um, and just, you know, as I tell my team all the time, plan for the worst, you know, and hope for the best, because there's a lot of unknowns still that I think things could shift. And I think I was having a conversation with one of our board members this morning, who um, is from First American, and we were saying, that's the thing, today things can shift on it, you know, really quickly. You have to be very nimble and you have to stay on top of things because, you know, there's still a whole lot of uncertainty out there. I think we're all surprised at where we are right now, but we're not sort of sitting on our laurels by any means. We recognize that, you know, 
it's a very dynamic um, economic social you know all of those pieces that we just with so much going on it could just affect things in so many different ways beyond uh, you know COVID-19 and remote online notarization what are some other recent developments in the title industry or real estate industry at large that you think people should be aware of right now? Yeah, you know, I think to your point, there's, um, when we look at who the new home buyers are, right, and what their habits are, I think that's really, really important. I think I mentioned to you, for us in particular, the refinancing has been really um, going gangbusters, you know, as interest rates stay low, people are looking at those things. I also think that there's, you know, um, an opportunity with um, some of the protesting and other things that we're learning for to look at our industry and think of who our clients are and how do we reflect what they look like. So there's an opportunity to really be more diverse. We talked about, you know, how women, getting women into leadership positions, you know, within our industry. Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, more than 75% as we talked, but not all of them are in leadership positions. So getting them, you know, in that Place. It's something we really want to focus on, as well as the diversity inclusion piece, because A, it's the right thing to do, but it's also who good business, right? That's who's going to be buying our homes and, you know, that we're going to be serving. So having a better understanding of our audience, and that's something, you know, at Alta we want to continue to do. That's great. I love hearing that. Um, I love knowing that you as an organization are focused on that, you're aware of that, and you're looking for solutions. Um, to move forward where everyone can come along and everyone can really actually be a part of that American dream of home ownership. You know, it just helps to build stronger communities, in my opinion, when people can own their home and take pride in their home. Um, so I think that's a really important thing to highlight for sure. Yeah, and I think, I think I'm sure you feel this way, Amanda. I know I do. You know, I think our, our um, I know our membership, but also our industry, they're all very big parts of their communities. They're already doing stuff above and beyond. That's because it's the nature of who they are. And so, you know, having this conversation, it's, it's important to spotlight these really important things and to make sure that we're not forgetting everybody, you know, and we all have to step back. I think we've all learned and we all can continue to learn um, in the last few weeks of how important that is. That sort of leads into my, my next question too about advocacy and education. Are there any other things right now that um, Alta's champion, you mentioned the um, telling your story campaign. Is there anything else maybe related to home homeowners, um, homeowner month of June that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, you know, there's, you know, on the advocacy front, obviously data privacy continues to be really, really important for us um, because we know how important that is, you know, for our members. Um, I will mention on, back on the Ron stuff, one thing that we have done, the Alta registry, We've now added um, people who are Ron um, able are on there. So if you're not a member of our registry, um, but if you need to access that information, you should, because I think that was really, that was something that we did really quickly and we were able to sort of get up and running because we knew how important that was. You know, one of the, the other things we learned about um, throughout this industry was, I mean, through COVID, was the importance of the counties, you know, staying open and the county recorders. And so we've been tracking that kind of information because, you know, to the point you made earlier, you know, this is a, a health crisis, but what if it was like what happened to Baltimore? You know, they got shut down. You know, there could be lots of other ways that, you know, our, our industry can be um, stunted. And so we 
put in some things that we can sort of measure the gap times, keep track of a lot of these things. So we've become much more aware of, you know, what I would call like the, the supply chain, right, of how that works and making sure that we have a handle on how that's going to affect our members and coming up with new innovative ways to anticipate, you know, potential crises that go along with that. And then we have on the advocacy front, we do have things like Safe Banking Act, which is really important to many of our members um, that we are continuing to um, promote. Um, and, you know, I think the other big um, thing is we have an, a presidential election coming up, right? And so making sure that we continue to, um, we're on it from a um, internal um, aspect at Alta, we're working really hard with our um, our outreach efforts in terms of um, developing ambassadors. So local Alta members who have relationships with their elected officials, making sure that we're building those relationships and arming them with the knowledge of our tell our story so they can be reaching out to them and making sure that they share with them what our top priorities are and what's important to us and you know what we need to continue to help you know keep this economy going so i think this has been a time for us to be more thoughtful and strategic and planning um when there's not i mean there's hearings going on we did actually just yesterday um you mentioned this earlier and i i did meant to kind of talk a little bit more about this um brad sherman Congressman from um, North Dakota did um, host a hearing on wire um, on um, wire fraud, and that is another thing that our staff um, really helped facilitate and to have that happen. And we recognize the really importance um, and having you know elected officials know how important this is and what's happening. So we're trying to keep that issue has become even more important as everybody's been using you know technology. It's become you know another. Um, Although, and the National Association of Realtors has approached us. We're having conversations with them. They're starting a um, campaign on talking about, you know, how to combat wire uh, fraud, which we're really excited about. And we're happy to provide them with all the information that we've done. We've partnered with the um, CFPB um, on making sure people understand the challenges of it. So we're continuing to, you know, the wire fraud um, is obviously continues and it's a really important um, consumer outreach effort. So the more voices that are echoing it and, you know, what, like we were saying earlier, most potential home buyers, they usually, um, the realtor is sort of their first point of contact. So, you know, if we can share with them the information that we have on, you know, what to look for and how to anticipate, really important things like, you know, on the emails, making sure you have a secure email, you know, and never ever, you know, changing where you're going to send the money at that last minute, you know, all of those things, the more voices that are aware of that, the more we can prevent that. Great. Well, those are all the questions that I had. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Um, any other thoughts that you have? Yeah, sure. So, you know, just as a wrap up, a thank you for um, this opportunity. I really enjoyed um, chatting with you today, Amanda, and I, I love the kind of work that you're doing. One thing that I've started doing since COVID-19 is listening to podcasts, and they're really helpful. They really help you really get into like, you know, the nuts and bolts of things. So I applaud you for um, getting this up and running. Um, the second thing I will say, one of the things we've been trying to do is like be that link for folks as new things are happening and education. And so we've got a series of webinars that we've been doing. 
um, when new things break at the national level so we can help break it down on how, what does this mean to you and the title industry. So that's been really important to us. And I, and of course, you know, we're not doing any in-person events um, through the end of the year is a decision that we made, which I think was a smart one and a healthy one and good. But in the meantime, we have some virtual events. We've got a digital boot camp that's um, going to be um, it was already scheduled to be in August. I think we're going to be in Minnesota, but we're going to do it digital. We're in the process of that's going to be, you know, revamped to sort of reflect the new um, digital world, but we're partnering with the MBA on that. So that's in August. Um, Alta One is going to be virtual this year, and um, we plan on um, putting that information out next week to the to the whole world, but it's gonna be a really exciting. And part of what we're hoping to do is a lot of folks who for whatever reason couldn't take the time off, couldn't afford to participate in some of those impersonal events, use this time to really, you know, be able to provide them with the information and get them more engaged on the efforts um, within Alto, which we really know will benefit everybody within the industry. And do you want to plug maybe any online resources that you would like to share with the audience regarding any of the topics that we talked about today? Yes, thank you. As you know, we have our HOP program um, and all of this can be found on alta.org. We have a, we've been doing a COVID-19 um, daily update that that's gonna be moved to weekly. But as you know, we have the news you can use that comes out um, daily. We have title news. Um, Jeremy does a good job on all of these big issues that are popping up and all of it can be all accessed on um, alta.org. Um, so thank you for that opportunity. And you know, we, we would love to hear from folks too. If there's something that we're not doing that we should be doing, you know, we're all ears. And you also mentioned the directory, that's free to sign up with, correct? Yes. Um, but the Alta Registry, it was the other one. That's one that you would definitely re-encourage people because what we're finding is, you know, people are, if they want to do RON, they want to know who does it in these other states. And now that the geographic piece is moving. So it's a really, really valuable tool for people. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I, again, I appreciate your time and your insight. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for hosting me, Amanda. It's been great getting to chat with you and I really appreciate all you're doing for our industry too. Thanks again to Diane for joining us. For industry resources and to view the new video, our title is Protection, be sure to visit the Alta website at alta.org. Title Talks is produced by PropLogix and myself. Original music is by Cole Sando. Original graphics are by Jordan Norris. If you have an idea for an episode, please email us at title.talks at proplogix.com. That's P-R-O-P-L-O-G-I-X.com. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>